The following podcast is a Clutch Media production. Welcome to They Get It. My name's Kelsey, and my co-host Emma and I love direct-to-consumer brands. Whether it's an amazing customer experience or a really killer social strategy, this podcast will feature the brands and founders who just get it. Welcome back to They Get It, you guys. I know I say this every time, but this episode was just a lot of fun. We had Sif from Array on the podcast, and Emma and I had a serious fangirl moment. Oh my gosh, did we ever? Because I see this brand blowing up (laughs) everywhere from my favorite influencers who I know are trustworthy, and so I know it's a good product, and Sif is just a powerhouse. Oh, she's so good, and like you can tell she has her own podcast, and she's just so easy to speak with. She's been there, done that. And she was just such a blast to have on. If you guys don't know Array, I know most people probably do, but if you're unfamiliar, um, they create hundred percent natural supplements with real results. They have products that help people with common problems like bloating and anxiety. But I think the like real sticking point or the real standout factor is their stunning branding. Like one thing Sif was talking about in this episode is how she imagined her customers using the product. Like it needed to be beautiful enough that they could have it on their nightstand or on their vanity. And I think she knocked it out of the park. Absolutely. And not only did we learn more about Array and what it takes to launch a brand in the wellness space, but we also learned about how she keeps herself balanced because she's also a content creator. She's running this business. She has a podcast. She is busy. Mm-hmm. And I loved hearing about how she you know, sets up her day and mm, we love a morning routine. <laughs> Do we ever? And like, seriously, when Emma says Sif is busy, she's hopping on a flight to Asia, like as we speak. So just really grateful that we got a chance to speak with her. And I think there are so many good nuggets here from breaking into an industry that you really have no experience in to killer influencer marketing strategy. And like Emma mentioned, even down to as granular as a, a really solid morning routine. Mm. Mm. This is such a good episode. Let's get into it. Let's do it. Okay, well, thank you so much for being here, Sif. Uh, Kelsey and I fangirl over you and your brand, and we keep seeing it pop up everywhere. So yeah, we're so excited (laughs) to have you on. Thank you for having me. This is going to be a really fun chat. Mm -hmm, Absolutely. So I guess to start off the conversation, um, give us the backstory. What led you to launching Array? So I had a really weak immune system for the entirety of my life. And, you know, in high school, I would miss a lot of days at school just because I was always sick. Like anything that was in the air, I'd catch it from like, I don't know, like, like pretty serious things to more recurring coughs and flus, which just wouldn't go away. And I was on this hamster wheel of, you know, taking antibiotics, getting better, then going on antibiotics again, because I was sick. And it was just this loop that I was in. And when I was in my early 20s, like I'm going to say 23, yeah, I want to say 23, 22, 23 years old, um, I had this really, really bad cough, which just wasn't going away. And I ended up fracturing a rib. And when, yeah, it was, it was pretty gnarly. So when I went to the doctor, um, she just offered me codeine 
And oh it was oh, wow. kind of, yeah, it was kind of like my breaking point, right? Because I was like, I'm not getting any answers as to why I'm like this at such a young mm-hmm. age. There was nothing really wrong with me. It's just my immune system was a disaster. And I I refused to believe that that was just going to be my life forever. So mm-hmm. at that point, I was really desperate to kind of figure out what was wrong with me and like fix myself. So because I wasn't getting any guidance from the doctors I was speaking to, I was like, I'm just going to start researching natural modalities. I used to think it was really woo, but at that point I was like, I'll just try anything. So Mm -hmm. um, I like dove into this whole world of, um, you know, reading books by integrative doctors and naturopathic practitioners and holistic uh, wellness experts and basically everything and anything I could get my hands on. And from there, I started, you know, integrating different supplements into my routine and, you know, making lifestyle changes. And I started to notice that I wasn't getting sick anymore. And Mm. also that I was able to troubleshoot all these other issues I had from like fatigue to digestive issues. And, you know, I had started essentially this apothecary at home and how like I guess this was like the backstory of Array but like the the I guess the idea of Array came when Nish my my husband and my co-founder he would get really really annoyed because he'd have to carry my suitcase around with him um <laughs> when uh and it was filled with like all these different supplements and you know as someone who comes from a content creation background, I am constantly interacting with beauty products. And Mm -hmm. I would see beauty products, like skincare products, and I would think to myself, okay, I can go to Sephora and find something that's really effective and like streamlined to solve specific problems I have, whether that's dark circles or hyperpigmentation. Whereas in the wellness world, for me and my girlfriends to find something to you know, help us with digestion or fatigue. It's like you you have to collect all of these natural wellness products in order to actually feel the results. And like, why is there nothing that's targeted? Why is there nothing that's really beautiful and speaks to women? We buy these supplements, we stuff it to the back of our pantry. I was kind of done with that. And so Nish and I talked about it and like, I, I, I had this idea and he was like, we, we have to do this. Like there's such a white space and you know, that that's basically the startup array. Wow. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That speaks to so much of my own experiences too. Um, and I think that's why I raised it out to us. I'm like, oh my gosh, finally products like this are starting to hit the market um, in this wellness space. And I think, like you said, it is such a white space. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think that for like wellness, I feel like it, I see so many parallels between wellness, what it is today and what the beauty world was in the early 2000s before, mm. before this idea of like beauty being both efficacious and like the packaging experience being something that speaks to women. Like I remember seeing, you know, my, my mom's like old, old skincare stuff when I was really little and nothing looked like it does today. And, you know, I see the wellness world right now. And it's exactly like that. It's just ripe for innovation. Wow. That's huge. And so you're basically taking all of these learnings and trends from beauty, applying that into the wellness category. Let's go through the actual steps of developing Array, right? Now your body is starting to feel better. You're seeing kind of this white space. How do you turn that into a company? And what does it mean to actually launch a product like this? 
So I, I had this idea, I told Nish, and I'm so lucky to have, you know, a partner who is just so supportive and kind of gets it. So Together, so together we decided that we were going to create this. So the first step was really finding the right doctor to formulate our products. Because Mm -hmm. for for me, I have understanding of supplements, but I I knew that we would definitely need a medical professional on board to really get the most potent and best results. Like for us, our goal was to create the best supplement on the market or supplements on the market, and never for lack of better words, half acid. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, So yeah, we found our naturopathic doctor, Dr. Natalie Mulligan, who is just incredible. She's a very good friend of ours now as well. So we found her through um, one of my very good friends. They used to work together and she introduced us. And I, I actually ended up meeting a lot of naturopathic doctors, but I knew from the moment I met Natalie that she was going to be the one to formulate the products for us. I just, I loved her. And mm-hmm. um, she, she did really a, ph- a phenomenal job. So, you know, once we had nailed down the formula, and by the way, pre-launch, we tested our formula with 60 women to ensure efficacy. Amazing. So, I love yeah. That. Yeah, so we didn't just want to launch any old thing onto the market. We wanted to make sure that this was something that really worked and that women would be excited about and actually have use cases for. So Mm. that was, I think, step or like one part of the business, which is the product. I think the product for us was it was so important to have something that was great because Mm -hmm. we felt like nothing was great on the market and we wanted to disrupt that. Um, Totally. So that was step one. And then the other thing was getting the branding right before launch. So we we are a bootstrapped brand, but our biggest cost, startup cost was really the branding. So we worked. Yeah, because I knew that if we wanted to stand out, we really needed beautiful, beautiful branding. So we worked yeah. with a really, really great um, agency who we love and you know, there was a big research process that went behind finding the the right partner for that. And we had the branding right. And then, you know, obviously we had a great manufacturer as well who was able to source the organic ingredients that we wanted. And we were really, really particular about the quality of ingredients, the potency, all of that. And we were able to get that through our manufacturer. And then, yeah, off we went. That, that was basically launch. <laughs> I mean, you honestly, you nailed the branding. So I appreciate the fact that you spent so much time and effort beforehand getting it right. A good litmus test is I know that Lauren Everts from the Skinny Confidential is a massive fan of Array and her litmus test is, can I put it on my vanity? Can it be next to my makeup, next to my other products and not look like a, an eyesore and she has a ray on her vanity. So you pass the test. <laughs> Actually, you know, even pre-launch, we knew this was a test for us. Like I, I always said that this had to be a product that women could display on their bedside tables or wow. in their beauty shelves in order for it to be successful. And now that I see it actually being done by our customers and fans of the brand, it's it's really surreal to kind of see that being oh. brought to life. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. I love that. And I think it just goes to show that you wanted to get this right and you really took the time to not only make it look beautiful, but also make sure the formulation was something that was actually going to be really impactful. And so I think that has to be a big part of why it's been successful. Um, and so as you 
have forayed into entrepreneurship, this is something we like to ask everybody. What do you think it is that you get most about entrepreneurship? And what do you think your superpower is that you've identified in this entrepreneurial journey? I don't think that there is just one thing. I think that there is so many things when it comes to entrepreneurship. And like, I can, I can name off like 10 things. But in terms of what I am really good at, I think it's understanding the consumer and Mm -hmm. understanding what really speaks to women and being able to identify uh, the missing gaps, I think. Um, You know, I've, I've been around products and like working in industries where I interact with products for so long, that I, I feel like I was pretty much primed to create a CPG brand. Like I didn't know that that's what I was going to do. But now looking back on kind of my career trajectory and everything that I've done, it, it, it all makes sense, you know? So Mm -hmm. I think understanding the consumer, knowing the kind of branding that speaks to people. And also I think putting my heart behind things like I think with Array something that really speaks to people is how human the brand is like yes you know we are like we do consider ourselves like um like I not like in the, I guess like in the luxury category because it is like a little more high-end and like a little more mm-hmm. elevated in terms of like the look and feel of the product but totally. we also have a humanness to it you know and that comes from Nish and I like it's an extension mm-hmm. of Nish and I like we're we're like very humble down to earth people. And we really, really value our customers. And like, we see them as part of like our family, you know? So Mm. I think the ability to do, I guess, to both of those things, I think go hand in hand. Those are really good answers. And I mean, it's so obvious to me, even in your last answer where you were like, oh, well, I want people to put this on their nightstand. I'm thinking about how it plays into the lives of the customers that are buying my product. And that's huge. That's something that's like, not super, super common. Yeah, thank you. I think it's part of the beauty of being your own target market, right? Like this is something that you had a need for. And I think that makes such a difference. For sure. It's really funny that you say that because, you know, as, as we have developed Array, like a lot of the times, I say that, well, I'm our consumer. So like, well, I like this. Like I Mm -hmm. know that as our consumer, I would like that. (laughs) You know what I mean? So we've been able to make a lot of decisions that way and really even um, identify our exact consumer profiles based on what I know about myself or what I know about like people kind of like me who would kind of uh, want to go for this product. That's awesome. Okay. I have, I have like a selfish question and maybe I'm projecting, but if I were starting a brand and I'm looking at the supplements industry, Mm -hmm. I am so intimidated. I feel like it's so many huge players with super deep pockets. When you were like, okay, I think we should actually do this. Did you have a little bit of that like nervousness or that apprehension? Not really. Um, and that's the, amazing. The reason I say that is because this, there are a lot of players in the supplement space, but they, we don't consider them our competitors. You see like a lot of the medical grade brands, they don't look like us. They, they're just not in the same category. So I felt like we were almost disrupting a category. Hmm, and interesting. I I was never, neither of us, Nish nor I, we were never intimidated by our competitors, quote unquote, because we knew that we were doing something like carving our own way and that we were going to do something different and that the space is 
still completely new. There's barely any brands that are making beautiful supplements that speak to women and yet are efficacious. Like these, mm-hmm. these like this combination of things doesn't really exist. So we weren't intimidated. We were just, we knew we were going to do it and we were going to do it well. Oh, that's one of my favorite things about this podcast is I come in and I'm expecting all of these founders to be like, yeah, I was really unsure of myself. I was second guessing myself all the time. And I've been so blown away and pleasantly surprised with how confident people are in the opportunity and their ability to act on it. I think that's such an amazing message. Thank you. And I think it's, it's such a good indication of whether or not you're going to be successful, right? Like you have to believe in yourself and what you're putting out there and you have to have good energy around it. I mean, I don't want to get too woo-woo, but <laughs> I think it's a real thing. Well, I am very much the queen of woo. <laughs> and <laughs> good. So you're you're speaking to the right person about woo things, but yeah, like I'm I'm definitely with you and I feel like as a founder, you can't doubt your own your own concept, right? Like of course, you go through times where you're dealing with um, things going wrong or, you know, you're, you're, I guess, like overwhelmed or you're in places where you have to make difficult decisions. But if you're there kind of doubting that concept, then how is it going to go far, right? Like Mm -hmm. you, you have to believe in it with every ounce of your being. And from the woo aspect, for sure, you know, if you're, if you're out there doubting or like having these questions, then how are you supposed to take it far? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because you're going to sell yourself short. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's something Kelsey and I focus on a lot as we've been launching this because yeah. it's definitely pushes out of our comfort zones, but we're like, no, this is a good thing. People want to hear what these people have to say. And we tell each other that a lot. So yeah, yeah I think it makes a big difference. That's yeah, that's that's kind of how you go, have to go about doing it. We just keep seeing Ray everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, all my it's favorite true. influencers post about it. And it's the influencers that I really trust too. So that's how I know it's a really good product. Um, and so I'd love to hear just more about what your influencer strategy has been. I think especially since you are also in the content creation space, um, this will be really interesting to hear about. So for for us, we have all, well, I do the communication and I think like my, one of my, I guess, really strong suits is my ability to communicate with people. And mm-hmm. as a bootstrap brand, we didn't have budget. You know, you just, you don't like we, we couldn't compare with the likes of people who have funding. There was no way. So what I did was I just wrote really compelling emails as to why someone should try this out. And I was never pushy about what we expected in return. I I was just like, I just want to send it to you. Just like, give me the opportunity to send this to you. And I hope you like it. And I hope you share it. And you know, in, in the cases when, you know, we, we started to grow a little bit, we were able to pay some influencers. Mm -hmm. It was like two or three at the very most. And it was always the, the people who we, who we knew were like huge supporters of the brand, even prior to a paid relationship. Right. So like that, that's sort of how we did things. And that's kind of how we will continue to operate because we have to be selective about how we spend our money, right? We don't have, uh, like, we, we just have to be smart about how we spend it. So yeah, that's kind of been our strategy. We're, we're very generous when it comes to gifting. We're also very kind to anyone who kind of 
um, goes above and beyond and posts about us. Like we, for example, I still remember one time an influencer actually ended up buying our product. This has happened a bunch of times where like we've noticed celebrities or influencers come up on our back end and we've just been like, what the hell's going on? So <sighs> the first time that happened, it was a big influencer and I noticed her name and I freaked out. So I sent her <laughs> this. <laughs> yeah. So I sent her a note. I sent her an extra bottle of product. And she ended up posting about us because she really liked the bloat formula. And then after that, like, of course, that was super impactful for our back end, like our sales. And Mm -hmm. I ended up sending her flowers. And that was something that she really, really appreciated, you know. So just little things like that, I think, go a really long way. Wow, that is so nice. And then all of a sudden, you've got a customer for life. Oh, yeah. And a customer who happens to have a massive following and can influence so many other people to follow suit. It's just so smart. Yeah, I think, you know, for us, Nish and I, like kindness is at the very epicenter of how we operate our business. And it's really, it's how we treat our customers. It's how we treat any influencers who are fans. Mm -hmm. It's how we treat our team. And so wherever we can, we will always go above and beyond. And especially for people who are fans of the brand and who you know, they, they bought the product. There was no need for them to post. Like we will forever be grateful for those people. Oh, that's Mm -hmm. so special. And coming, like I work in influencer marketing and I think people don't put enough emphasis on who is representing their product, right? Like gifting programs. Mm -hmm, Yeah. mm -hmm. You're sending them out to maybe thousands of influencers, but like, what's that overlap between the content the influencer is already posting about and your brand. And so do you have like a checklist or requirements or how do you know that a potential influencer would be a good fit for Array? Well, I, I go through them. I go through every request we get personally and like having yeah, because having been in the industry for as long as I have, like I, I kind of know what to look out for. And we are very selective and like we, we, we go through like a process where we see, OK, like what is it that they stand for? What are they posting about? Who are they? And if we love their content genuinely, if if we respect them as creators, we are more than happy to send out product and kind of build that relationship. So I guess like that's, that's kind of how we do it. We don't believe in Mm -hmm. doing blind send outs with like just to anyone and everyone, because it, it, there's no ability to foster a relationship. There's nothing meaningful coming out of that. So for, for Mm -hmm. us, it kind of goes against our brand ethos. We're like, why would we do a blind Mm -hmm. send out to 2000 people? Like we would rather hand pick the people we send product to and really get to know them and have a relationship with them. That's, that's how Such we a operate. Good strategy. It just makes so much sense. Oh yeah. You're going to get more out of that relationship both ways, right? Like they'll get to interact with a brand that they really resonate with, who's treating them really well. And I have a feeling they'd probably want to, you know, treat you better in, in um, response to that. I hope so. It's, I mean, it's worked out really well so far. Yeah. And I mean, at the end of the day, you're treating people kindly and you're rooted in that. And I think that always pays off in the long run. So yeah, I absolutely love it. Um, My next question is, so you are a content creator and you run this business. How do you manage your time? Do you have like a daily routine you follow? Is it every day is different? Because you're busy. Yeah. So um, initially I was juggling 
I guess like two full-time jobs or like 1.5 of one and half of the other or whatever it is. But like I was doing essentially icing and glitter full-time along with Array as well. But as Array has grown and scaled, that's become actually quite difficult for me to do. So while I still, you know, have my podcast and my Instagram page, I've like, I cannot blog as often as I used to because we're running actually like a, like a pretty significant sizable company now. Right. So I guess like having to make those decisions, but in terms of how I structure my day, honestly, every day is so different. So that's like, I guess I don't really have an answer for how, how I structure my days, except for the fact that I'm really meticulous about putting things into my calendar. Love my Google calendar. It, I would be <laughs> totally lost without it. It's my lifesaver. <laughs> yeah, I feel the same way. Okay, one thing, and then I promise I'll leave you alone about the whole influencer thing, but you have a ton of collaborations under your belt. Who have been some of your favorite collaborations? I would say my... Like, I guess the the one that sits, like, very close to my heart is Melissa Woodhouse. So <gasps> Emma's uh, favorite. I am obsessed with her. She's honestly, like, an angel. Um, we love her so much. She was, I would say, the first big influencer to – and this was even before we ever did a paid collaboration with her. She just posted about us, and she kept raving about us. And a paid collaboration came much later, but – she was really the first and we will forever be grateful for her. She has just been, I mean, like just, just a dream and she's lovely and she's so authentic and I I can sing her, sing her praises forever because we, we love her so much. Like she's, she's, she really did a lot for us as a small business when she didn't need to. Oh, it's so nice. And I think, yeah, a lot of what she stands for is so in line with the Array brand based on what you've been sharing. You know, you want to be kind, you want to be authentic, you want to live your life in a way that makes you feel good. And um, I think she has a lot of those same values. So definitely makes sense. And yeah, I'm obsessed with her too. She is awesome. Yeah, she's she's really wonderful. And we've we're really lucky to have kind of fostered that very long-term relationship with her and she's she's just lovely I have all the best things in the world to say about her <laughs> oh, that's amazing um another question that comes to mind kind of sorry we're going a little bit all over the place but um as we're talking about oh, you know fine. managing your time um how do you mm-hmm. stay balanced in between running a business and do you have any like what does your wellness routine look like so like I have a very intense morning routine. That's like my my one oh. thing. It's like a very much a non-negotiable. Yep. Yeah, honestly, it, it grounds me for the whole day. So I'm an early riser. And before I get into work, I, I just have like a bunch of practices that I do because I'm not someone who can just wake up and go directly into work. I know like my, my husband is like that and I don't know how he does it. But for me, I need a bunch of practices to kind of ground me for the day and put me in a good headspace. So, I mean, I can speak to that if you guys would like. Oh, I'd love to hear it. <laughs> yeah, would we like? We are obsessed with morning routines. So yeah, go crazy. So um, I wake up early. I do my skincare routine and then I every morning I do a bulletproof coffee with journaling. So that's like my absolute favorite thing. And I have like all these journaling techniques that I use that I love. And I feel like they have 
really allowed me to manifest the life that I want. And I, I'm such a big proponent for journaling. So I feel like that is probably one of my biggest tips for anyone that like, just start a good journaling practice. Like I do everything from gratitude to future you journaling to mantras. Like I do all of it. Um, so that's, that's like the first couple of things I do. Then I do meditation every morning for 10 minutes, no matter what. Mm -hmm. Um, I do a little bit of movement as well. Like even if it's for, if I, if I'm not doing a full workout, even if it's for 10 minutes, 15 minutes, like I try to get something in and I, I do all of that before I start my day. And when it was warmer, I would go out for like a walk as well for a good hour. And I would listen to a podcast or an audiobook. But that's, those are basically like, the, that's kind of like the skeleton of my morning routine. And that's really, really important for my productivity, I feel. Oh, yeah. I absolutely love it. I think morning routines make all the difference. I'm a big proponent for it as well. And I think if you're not taking that time for yourself, you're not going to be as successful with whatever you're trying to get done that day. At least for me, I know everyone's different, but I find that when I can get myself into a good headspace before I'm trying to do anything, I always see the difference. For sure. And for me, I also have like a no phone before meditation rule, which is extremely important oh, to me. Nice. Oh my God. I, I started this at the beginning of 2020 and I cannot even tell you what it's done for me. Like no one should look at their phone before, you know, getting themselves in order because if I check my phone now upon waking up, my cortisol is just off the charts. Mm -hmm. I'm so distracted. Yeah. Like I'll just spend 30 minutes on my phone and it's like, I just lost half an hour of my life. And that like first little bit of the day kind of sets yeah. the tone for the rest of the day. Oh my gosh. Okay. This is funny because Kelsey and I've had this conversation. I'm like, I want to be that person that's not on my phone first thing. And I don't know why I'm not making it happen. So what was it for you? Did you get just an alarm clock or do you not wake up with an alarm? Like how did you make that transition? So initially, so I started this, um, actually on January 1st, 2020. So it was actually one of my personal goals. And I'm very proud of uh, the fact that I've actually made it happen for myself this year. Yeah. But initially, what I did was because when I started it, I was away from um, my home, I was I was away on vacation. So I used to put my phone on airplane mode and just have the alarm on that way when it went off. I mean, my phone was off. So I wasn't really tech, like, I guess, like tempted to look at it. Then when I came back to Toronto, I set my alarm on my Google Home. And that way, again, there's like no nice. temptation. Yep. <laughs> how early, like we're getting very granular here, super specific, but how early are you waking up? And then what's the duration of this, this morning routine? Like how late after you open your eyes, are you actually getting into your work? So I wake up between anywhere between six to seven, I would say 715 is a very late morning for me. But yeah, wow. like anywhere between six to seven, I'm like very comfortable. And that's like, kind of my norm. Um, in terms of when I actually get to work, I would say altogether, this takes between an hour 15 to an hour 30. It depends on if I'm actually doing my workout in the morning as well. Mm -hmm, so right. typically, I start my work day at about, I would say, 815 Eight, eight, between 8.15 to 8.30 at the very latest. <laughs> Which is so funny to me because most people are just waking up around that time and you've already had your entire morning routine done. So <laughs> you're, yeah, you're finding kind of the loophole. 
Yeah. And you're in a good headspace. You're ready to go. Totally. And also that way, like when I, when I actually get started with the work day, then I feel like I'm ahead of things instead of being reactive. Because if Mm -hmm. you're at your computer, or at least for me, when I was in a place where I'd be in front of my computer at like nine, nine 30, then it's Mm -hmm. like, I'm just reacting to things that are happening as opposed to having a head start. So actually what was it last year, I was doing a 5am wake up for about half the year. And I I preferred that, honestly, because I'd be getting to work at seven. And that's like two hours extra I have of just myself before the world wakes up. It's amazing. Oh my goodness. I don't even know if my body could do that. It sounds so good in theory. but I feel like it's so hard in practice. You need to read the 5am club. The 5am club. Yeah, it's by Robin Sharma. It's like, I would say one of the most transformative books for me. Um, It was after reading that book that I started doing my 5am wake up and I'm going to get back to it in the new year. That's again, my goal. Okay. Kelsey, we need to add this to our reading list. I was going to say now I don't even have an excuse. I have to read this book and I have to start getting up at five in the morning. I'm going to be a whole new person. (laughs) New Year's coming soon. What better time? I love it. Yeah, it's, it's a great book. You guys will like it. Okay, well, now I'm curious. If this is one of your goals for this year, do you have other ones? Honestly, so I do this like thing where I sit down and like I really, really reflect on the year. Like I would say I do this around the 20th, 23rd of every year, like in December. Mm-hmm. And then I come I come up with like very, very specific goals because I mean, honestly speaking, I think that like New Year's Eve, it's just another fresh start, right? So I actually do goals for the beginning of every month. And I can even do like smaller goals for every week. So New Year's, it's like, it's more so like trying, like giving myself a little extra motivation for doing those goals, which I, I've been, I guess, like putting off a little bit or like haven't had the balls to do yet. Like, <laughs> I remember at the beginning of the year, I was like, nope, this is the year that I do this thing with my phone. And 2020 was also the year that I started meditating every single day, no matter what. And it's again, been like one of those like very transformative things for me before I would do it sometimes and sometimes not. So that's kind of how I approach my, my goals. But to be honest for next year, aside from trying to wake up earlier and going to bed earlier as well, I've not thought of anything else in terms of my personal goals. So I'll have to like sit down and do it in my goal setting exercise. (laughs) That's your personal goals. And for Array, what do you think the next year, five years, if you could paint some of the picture without giving it all away? What are the big goals for Array? So that, I mean, Nish and I are meticulous about planning. So that, I mean, (laughs) the the, the goals um, have kind of been chartered out for 2021, like long ago. So you know, for us, it's we have like a few really exciting product launches coming up in 2021, which we're super, super excited about. Um, on top of that, just launching other like smaller things too. So we have we have those launches. And in addition to that, things like really making certain hires who we are, we kind of have our eyes on. So those kinds of goals and yeah, I would say like that. I like I think like it's little things that kind of make up like a big successful or like a successful business on a macro level. It's those like micro things. So again, like just ensuring that we have like the right people on our team, like ensuring that we're treating our team members in like a way that makes them super happy. Um, Making sure we have great launches, continuing to 
work with the right people Mm -hmm. um, in terms of like our influencers and treating people the right way and finding those great influencers and, you know, ensuring that TikTok is going well. There's like so many different things. (laughs) It's a lot. It's a lot, especially when you're growing as quickly as you are. That goals list fills up like in the snap of a finger. (laughs) For sure. For sure. Um, Okay. So I... I'm getting a really good understanding of like how you're approaching Array, but I think one thing Emma and I are so careful um, not to do is to like romanticize entrepreneurship completely without showing that it's not all sunshine and rainbows. Can you think back to maybe the early days or maybe it was something more recent where you were like stuck or that maybe you wanted to give up or something that just didn't go according to plan? For sure. So the biggest example that I can give is... When we had just ordered our, like, I guess, like, we were starting out and we'd ordered, like, a pretty large quantity of inventory. And that, like, our inventory, like, as in, like, our product and Mm -hmm. our labels are done in two different places, right? Because one is a printer and the other is a manufacturer. Mm -hmm. So we Mm -hmm. had gotten a big run of labels and boxes done as well. And they were going from there like the printer directly to our manufacturer and then coming to us so there Nish and I were at home excited to get our like first big round of inventory and it comes and it's just like the label was I can't even tell you it was so heartbreaking we were devastated it was just not exactly our color it wasn't the material or the finish that we had wanted and this is like you know, like, I think it was like a couple of thousand units of of product. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we were so upset. Right. And like, of course, like for us, branding was so important. And here were our labels, and they were just not what we had envisioned. So that, like, I think it was two days after that, I was going to London, like the UK to um, like record podcast interviews. And I was meeting with, or I had met with the founder of Rodeal, Maria. And after the interview, I pulled out my phone and I was like, Maria, look, we're launched, like, we're like, I guess like in the midst of our launch and we just ordered our big round of inventory. Look what they did to our label. Should we even bother like selling this or do we do it over? What do we do? Mm. And I was uh, like, I didn't know what the hell to do. And she just like looked at me and just kind of like laughed and she was like this is nothing like go to market it's why are you waiting this is not a big deal she's like we've had like way worse things happen and no one will even notice and so just that was such like a a moment for us because of course we've we've known that launch before you're perfect and then modify Mm -hmm. but at that point it was just like it wasn't one of those things that we're in control of or that like we had kind of planned on not being perfect, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. you can launch with a less than perfect website, but you're doing that knowing full well what you're doing, right? But here we were mm-hmm. kind of expecting the perfect product and like or branding rather. And it it was like less than. Anyway, we went to market. Nobody noticed. People loved our, even like our version (laughs) one packaging. Nobody noticed, apparently. It was just us. (laughs) And so I guess like that was one of those things where it was like, okay, like, do we, like, do we waste more money and do this whole thing again and kind of get pushed back for maybe another four weeks? Or do we just go with this even for like our pre-launch? And we did. And we're so happy we did. So I think like when it comes to entrepreneurship, especially when somebody's new, 
things that like just know that things won't be perfect and Mm -hmm. you will get thrown things like this I think it's just really important to know that everyone goes through it and that it's going to be fine like you just go and you launch anyway or like you just do your thing and don't worry too much about these things Yeah, Mm -hmm. so much easier said than done. Like, I'm not discounting that at all. In fact, Emma and I have a friend who spent a year developing their product and they sent packaging back five, six times. Like, everything had to be so perfect. And they launched and then COVID hit. And it's like, well, what would have happened if maybe you shipped a 75% perfect product beforehand? Um, You just, you can never predict the future. So I love the idea of just getting in motion. Yeah, definitely. Because it's if so one thing that Nish and I talk about, and like, we've we've read this from like several of our favorite books is that like, if your product is perfect, then you've waited too long. Oh, I like that. Yes. So it's just better. And like, we have made such modifications to everything from like our website, like everything except our product, like our actual product was perfect, but everything else has been modified since launch. Yeah. And I think it's just a matter of you have it in your head a certain way, but yeah, nobody else has seen it yet. They didn't know that the labels were supposed to look different. And um, yeah, so I think that's a really good reminder. Yeah. Now we're slightly over time. So sorry. No, of course. (laughs) That's fine. Um, We'll do one more question. Um, Who do you think gets it? So what entrepreneurs are you most inspired by? I really look up to Pyle Kadakia of ClassPass. Um, I think that it's it's really incredible to see what she's built. I think that to see another woman of color do what she's done with a tech company is incredibly inspiring. And she was so nimble when it came to ClassPass and just sort of did everything she could to overtake her competition and escape it altogether. And now with COVID as well, like I'm seeing what they're doing to kind of modify and move quickly. And it's, it's truly admirable. So I think her, like if I could have lunch with someone, I would probably pick her. Oh, that's such a good example. And like their digital stuff has been like, I don't know how they turned it around so fast, but I completely agree. That's an amazing model. Yeah. And like, I've, I've listened to her interviews and like, you know, just kind of seen the, the, the way that they had to operate, even when they were a young company and the kind of pivots that they had to make. And it's, it's really, really cool. So I would say she's someone I definitely really look up to. And also seeing that like a female founded startup from like a woman of color was able to get like a, like it's a unicorn status right now. I think that's incredible. I totally agree. And Ray is headed right there too. (laughs) I I mean, I hope so. That's the dream. (laughs) I mean, if we have any say in it at all, guaranteed. Sif, this has been so amazing. You are so easy to speak with. Array is destined for really great things. And Emma and I are just so excited we got to get in on the ground floor and hear how it all came to be. Thank you for having mm-hmm. me. This was super fun to do. Yeah. Forever fangirls. Thanks, Sip. Thank you. Oh my gosh. Did I say that was going to be a good episode or was that a good episode? I mean, you said it was and it was. Oh. That was so fun. And like, my favorite thing is that she's just an open book. Any question we threw at her, she took with grace. And that was just a really fun chat. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She's a champ. 
just a champ. Well, you guys, you know the drill. Rate and review. We so appreciate all of the reviews we get. And so whatever platform you listen on, whether that's Spotify, iTunes, or something else, leave us a quick review and we will be eternally grateful. Absolutely. Yes. And please follow up with us on Instagram. Let us know who you want to hear from next and we will see you next week. See you next week. Bye.